Thank you so much, ladies, for talking with me. And with me, this is Carolyn for Carolyn Talks for the So Here's What Happened podcast. And with me, I have Tanana Rivdu and Ashley and Ashley Blackwell, who are involved with the horror documentary, Horror Noir, A Black History of Film, A History of Black Film. And I'm going to ask Tanana Rev to introduce herself and then Ashley. So go ahead. My name is Tanana Rivdu. I am an author. I've been publishing horror since 1995. I also teach black horror and Afrofuturism at UCLA. And as of now, I'm an executive producer of Horror Noir. And I'm Ashley Blackwell. I'm a writer and I'm also the founder of Graveyard Shift Sisters. And I am the co-writer and producer of Horror Noir. Thank you so much for being here with me. And um, the first question I want to ask you, and I think this is where everything jumps off, is what got both of you interested in horror as a genre like you know like everyone like there's some people that like they like strictly like action films or they're like more rom-coms or and you know what i mean the different genres that attract them like what is it about horror that attracted both of you to it as a genre so tanana Rev and then ashley well in my case uh, i had no choice because my mother indoctrinated me into the world of horror from the time i was probably way too young mm-hmm. with those saturday afternoon creature features in miami on channel six uh Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Mole People, the Fly, all that stuff. And after she gave me my first Stephen King novel at 16, The Shining, I was pretty much hooked. Right. And Ashley? Uh, Yeah, uh, just uh, from growing up in the 80s. So I grew up around uh, watching a lot of slashers. And I guess for me, I like the creature effects and I like the monsters. The monsters were really um, striking to me. But also what I noticed were there are a lot of uh, female heroines. And I I love the kind of... uh, I love the nature, the, the dual nature of, you know, watching a, a centralized female character uh, defeat a monster. And, it, and from there on, I just started kind of going to uh, finding the deeper meaning behind horror. But as a kid, I liked that. I just I just was a weird kid who liked all the creatures and the special effects and stuff like that. Right. So both of you didn't mind being scared and being afraid because there are some people like they have a visceral reaction to being afraid and they like to stay away from everything that's like dark and like, you know, ominous. But for the both of you, you were attracted to the, I guess the, I guess it was the positive aspect of horror where you see someone defeating evil and overcoming and insurmountable odds, as you would say. Yeah, I think so. You know, my husband's ex-wife used to tell me, well, you're not going to like horror as much once you have kids. And I was really scared <laughs> that I wouldn't like horror as much. And it's like, woo, I still love it. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I have kids and I still love horror. Um, it, it is a release for yeah. me more than it is a stress. I totally understand people who are afraid of horror movies. I'm right. really, really glad I'm not one of those people because I, I cherish the opportunity to be scared in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. I, what I can't do is true crime. Yeah. Uh, human monstrosity is way too scary for me. But if it's a zombie, a demon, a monster, I'm there. Why do you think that is? Because like for some people, like for me, I've had what some people would call like a demonic experience where like, I read certain things and then things would happen like I've had like you know like the bad experiences and for me it's like that to me is real but for you like true crime which are which are based on things of people committing crimes and everything is real but for you 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 kind of have like that abstract reaction to it you know actually I did know a woman from Trinidad who once told me that if I had had real experiences <laughs> I would not like horror and that probably <laughs> is the difference it's never happened to me okay 
And what about for you, Ashley? Yeah, um, I do know people who've had um, have had weird experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally never have. Again, it's funny. My my almost everyone in my immediate family has, except for me. It's this weird. Um, is, yeah, that's a, that's always been bizarre to me. But I think for me. Um, I like horror because I don't know. I honestly, my real life was more scarier than mm. that. Um, <laughs> I did not grow up uh, uh, very sheltered at all. Unfortunately, I was exposed to a lot of um, very scary things in the outside world. And I think horror for me, I, I liked the idea that I could go within and kind of face the fear that I was seeing on screen. I always, I always, even as a kid, I'm just like, no, I need to be, I need to be brave. I need to be fearless um, in everything I do. And horror was, it was, it helped me kind of exercise that. It helped me kind of like, you know, again, seeing female characters be, be heroes was really, really important to me at that time. Right. Um, And I think it's interesting that you say that because one of the first, the first film that's really mentioned in the documentary, and it's the one that clicked a light bulb in my head was a birth, um, the birth of a nation. And when I was watching it and it was something that I've always, is known abstractly where is like this film influenced a lot of like negative stereotypes and tropes about black people in cinema and but it, it didn't occur to me until I saw it where it was like this if, if it was not for this film uh, the birth of a nation we probably would not have a lot of the negative stereotypes that we have in film because there's the whole thing about you know um, black men pursuing white women but for like but in like in a in as predators and then there is the whole things but you know what I mean so I, I just thought it, I think it's interesting where for you horror is um, an escape but then also in the documentary you also say is like horror um, this film is black horror is it is it's a reality for, is this the, these things that happen are scary and for us like there things that happen in horror films and we're like this is not entertainment for us and I wanted to ask you about the birth of a nation if if what is it you think that in that in that causes film to influence so like it's basically films up until today 2019 where we have all of these negative stereotypes what, do, what does it you think about this particular film that created such a I guess you could say such a ripple effect in the um in the, in the horror genre you know, I'm sim- uh, cynical enough that I believe if it hadn't been Birth of a Nation, it would have been another one. Mm. But it just so happened. And unfortunately, uh, just cinematically, it's yeah. a masterpiece. Mm. OK, take out the racism. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. I've had people tell me, oh, my professor just said, OK, watch this. Look at the camera angles without any context mm. like about the racism. Right. It pioneered so many things. Right. And, you know, I learned more about it reading uh, Dr. Robin Armin's Coleman's book, you know, yeah. Horror Noir, about it, that it, it was longer than most films of the day. If you look at the footage, it, it, look, it looks like documentary footage. Right. So for, yeah. for unsophisticated moviegoers, that's just reality. Right. And also it was like the top blockbuster until Snow White and the Seven Dwarves mm. in the 1930s. So for, you know, for more than 15 years, it was the film everybody saw. And it's not just that it had an influence on cinema. It had an influence on the Ku Klux Klan and how they adorn themselves. And I believe cross burnings, they took that from the film, unless I'm mistaken. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it, it had all that. It had all this great, and also look at the, look at now how difficult it is to convince people that we should be taking these Confederate statues down. down. This this film was coming out around the same time or just before the Daughters of the Confederacy started erecting right, yep. 
all these statues. All the so it's yeah. part of an overall propaganda campaign to remake history, to reframe history, and to put us in our place. Mm. And um, so going off of that, because the next film after that, the next, I guess you could say, because that film was, wasn't considered horror no. at that time. For us, it's considered horror, but for them, it's just, it's like a dramatic um, mm-hmm. retelling of, of events, right? And But the next film after that was um, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. And it's it's kind of I don't it's kind of funny because between those two films there's the there's the parody there's the films with black people being a parody being uh, being comical effect where they're you know they're they're like the mammies and then there's like the men who are used who are like scared of their own shadows which you mentioned in the documentary and I think it's it's, it's kind of funny between where you have black men being put as predators then they're like the place there for comedic effect they're there for props but then you have um Dwayne Jones cast as Ben in Night of the Living and it's almost like a complete 180 mm-hmm. and it's almost in, and it's it was unintentional because George Romero said that he just cast Dwayne Jones, you know, as a lot of ever say, I cast it, I cast it the best person for the role. And it just so happened to be a black person. But for him, he didn't see the impact of casting a black man in this role, a man who was basically, he was dominant in short from beginning up until his unfortunate demise. And I, I just think it's interesting that he never thought about that. And I wanted to ask both of you, what if like I know we don't know what George Ramirez's um, thought process was, but I I wanted to ask both of you for having from having done research. What do you think he he thought after he after um, Ben was killed in the show in the film? Sorry, and then as in the documentary, it's mentioned that he had the film reels in the car as he was transported, and then he heard on the radio that Dr. King had been assassinated. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think his thought process could have possibly been if he realized, okay, you know what, maybe, oh shoot, what did I just do? Um, I'll start. I think you have a much better explanation for this. But yeah, I mean, from research, um, I heard that it was after Dr. King got shot that George was like, Mm -hmm. we have something here. And I think... um, from what I remember from my research, if I hope this is correct, is they went to go pitch it and people were in, you know, the executives that they pitched it to were very kind of teeter-tottering mm. on maybe, yeah, really being hesitant to um, give it the green light for distribution because um, of what just happened in, in the nation. Um, and so, and I, and I know, I think I be, what I believe, um, I believe it's called document Documentary of the Dead. Is that the George Romero documentary oh, that where they talk know. about Night of the Living Dead? So yeah, there's a there's a great um, Night of the Living Dead documentary that I would encourage everyone to check out because he does he they do specifically talk about that. Um, and George says, you know, we've we've realized, you know, after Dr. King got shot, and we're looking at this movie, and we're like, holy crap, yeah. we have we have something here. So yeah, I mean, it's very it's it's, it's I feel like it's as simple as that, but also it not simple, but also it became this uh it, it became so monumental to black cinema black horror cinema moving forward right i had the opportunity to talk to the actor ken foree who is in dawn of the dead mm. following yeah. night of the living dead and i said okay romero said the first time it was an accident but come on what about you mm-hmm. and he said he told me the same thing i was just <laughs> i was the best actor and at that point uh-huh. and he is a great actor but i have to feel and boy do i wish i could have a conversation I, all my life, I thought I would have the chance to have this conversation with George Romero. I was so sad when he died. But 
I have to think that even at the point where you're just staring through the camera lens, or I'll even go beyond that, to the point where you're like, okay, you're the best actor. I'm going to cast you. You have to have a progressive bent to even make that decision. Exactly. There are students in acting schools right now not getting cast exactly. because they're black. Exactly. So, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's 1967. He could have been three times as good as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And still, you have to have intention there. Exactly. Okay? You, you have to at least understand the potential of the power of the decision you're making. And the fact that he shot it in black and white, which he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And the fact that those German shepherds, you know, which were, were the used, same kind yeah. of dogs that were being set on protesters. I mean, okay, maybe 95% of it was unconscious. But I think there, to there had to be something there. And certainly by the time he was shooting those dailies, he had to see what, what was unfolding on, on, on the film. Right, especially there's a lot of um, visual messaging the film, which um, reflect which reflects what was happening in yeah. the real world. Like, there were the men that were hunting him, and I'm like, this is the same thing the Ku Klux Klan was doing to black men in real life. They were like literally hunting him down in fields and going after them and like, you know, like causing them down and chasing them down with dogs right. and lynching them. Like, you had he had to see some kind of parallel and be like, you know. This is kind of like a mirror, right? But it's, 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 I've always wondered something like that where you have, like, and I was going to ask you this later, but it's, I think it's a perfect segue because there's a lot of, there's characters where we talk about, um, where we talk about switching the races. Like, for instance, there's The Passage, which is a new yeah. horror, which is a new horror genre show. Mm-hmm. And I love this. And I started reading the book because oh. I was influenced with reading the book. That and must have been a disappointment to you. <laughs> no, actually, I actually, no, because I was like stunned. I didn't remember. And I, I was reading it and I got to the passage at home and I got home and I was looking at my sister I was like wait she's white <laughs> I, I, I was literally stunned because I read the description like you know they gave the character a description I think it like glossed over it in my head and then I had to like literally like I, I got to like another chapter and then I flipped back and I was like wait she's not she's not black, black in the books I was literally stunned and and then there's other characters where in um Tales of the Crypt, where the director mentions that they wanted to cast someone else, but he he said he wanted Jada Jada Pinkett, mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of directors they have to know the impact of casting a black characters, but in, in in particular roles, especially if they're in lead roles. And for for Tales of the Crypt, like I watched that years ago when I was young, but I remember like everyone around me we were watching it, and it was by my my brother and his friends. They were like, "Wait, she made it to the end." And I remember, like, my I was young. I didn't really get the full impact, but I remember my brother and his friends were, like, they were, like, shocked that she made it to the end. And, like, now that I'm older, I can appreciate what it means to have characters that make it to the end. And when you have black characters, particularly, that make it to the end. And, like, I, like you have to, like, there's some part in the director that has to say, like, this does send a message. But if it doesn't, you have to ask yourself. I, I would want to ask the directors, I'm like, why, does, why didn't this even occur to you in the first place? I, I feel I love the passage too. It's so yeah. exciting, although it's a little too nerve wracking sometimes when, when she looks like she could be my own daughter. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. very personal. Yeah. It's very personal. I feel really angry about mm. what's happening there. But I think, you know, I think that was probably a network decision yeah. um, because of the demographics. I think yeah. that black viewers have demonstrated again and again to the Nielsen's that we love horror and for so long we would watch it even when we weren't in it. It's kind of a no brainer right. to, I mean, really what's taken so long, honestly. They, they blew some opportunities with Sleepy Hollow or maybe I was going to talk about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
maybe they're trying good. to make up for that, <laughs> but I'm sure it's paying off for them. But in a lot of these other cases you mentioned, and also there's the girl with all the gifts, which again, yeah. accidental casting. And in all of these cases, you end up with these unintended, at least in the source material, um, echoes mm-hmm. of what's happening in the culture, right. experimenting on black bodies, um, you know, black bodies as the other, as in the mm-hmm. girl with all the gifts, all these sorts of messages that become so much sharper when you change the race. It does. Um, and for Ashley, and going off of lately talking about female characters, in for your website, um, Graveyard Shift Sisters, you have a, a section that's... The, dedicated to black women in horror, like the 28 days of black women in horror. And I was reading, I was reading some of them and one of the characters that stuck out to me, even though I haven't watched the show, was Angela Bassett in American Horror Story. And I don't watch the show because I, I like horror, but I can't do occult. And it, oh, and, and, okay. I, and I think that's because of my, you know, the religious background growing up in the Caribbean, we, we stay away from like occult messages and that kind of stuff. You're like, I cannot, I cannot. But when you mentioned, I became interested in her because I've seen like, I use the gifts for the show sometimes and I love Angela Bassett. But I wanted to ask you, what was it about her in particular that that makes her such a compelling character in the franchise because she she's a recurring she's one of the few yeah. black female actresses who has a recurring role in a major television show it's anthology it's a different story every season but she's there and I'm not sure she's in a new season but she like she was in the first she was in like a lot of the most popular yeah. seasons I think she was I think but it was a small cameo it mm. wasn't um, a, it wasn't a um, yeah like the last season I think she had a very very brief cameo but she wasn't in the um, season but um, honestly I I think it's her gravitas her acting abilities her chops I think that's what's selling um, her to a lot of people Um, I think the representations are mildly problematic to Mm. be nice about it Um, they're not like it's not all a champion but it's but because it's Angela Bassett and she's an incredible actress yeah she's getting everyone excited you just want to see her kind of deliver these lines I think Ryan Murphy has kind of curated who he once cast in his um, television and films kind of based on their reputation as these award-winning performers who can really bring his material to life whether right. it you know your opinion whether it's good bad or indifferent it's still really everyone's watching everyone is watching you know Angela and Jessica Lang because it's Jessica Lang and you know they just want to see these two kind of bounce off of each other so I think that's what um is why she why she stands out for a lot of people in this in in, in this particular uh, in, this, in this particular series. I want to jump in too because yeah, I ahead. love Angela Bassett and you know many years ago I had a book called The Good House set up at Fox Searchlight and Angela Bassett was you know the person yeah. A I pictured when I wrote the book mm. and B she was literally in talks with the studio to be the lead and for that brief shining moment we thought we were about to have a black horror moment in film and we didn't. But for me, it's always been like, well, why can't it be Angela Bassett's show? You know what I mean? Because she's always been such a queen to me. I don't like seeing her in an ensemble cast. I want her to be the lead of something, right? right? So that's what um, we're moving toward, and that's what we're working toward, and and no shade to the show or anyone who's on the show. And thank goodness she's on the show. But whenever I see her, I just think, okay, but 
Yeah, she should be the show. You deserve better. <laughs> Let's keep it real. <laughs> keep it, we keep it real on my podcast. <laughs> um, but guys, yeah, so like, and then my other, my next question going off from that is because I've always been more interested in black female characters in whatever genre I'm talking about. And especially for, I paid a lot more attention to the whole, to when you guys were speaking about the women in the documentary. And like one of my favorite female characters is... Um, Played by Sonal Ethan in um, Alien vs. Predator. And while the movie itself maybe subpar, I love her because she's, she, I, I understood watching and having a final woman. As I said, like Jada Pickett for my brother, that was his brother, that was his generation. For me, is um, Sonal Ethan in Alien vs. Predator. And then there's her, and then there's also Naomi Harris in 28 Days Later. And now we are getting, we are getting them more and more in, um, in, in TV shows and films. But one of the ones I wanted to talk about is Brenda, played by Regina Hall in the Scary Movie franchise. And the thing about her is I, I, I've always been back and forth with her. If she's a good, is she's positive in the fact that she's last, she lasted four films into the franchise, but then it's also like, it's negative because like she's, she's almost like a negative stereotype of black women in, in film and she, cause she's loud and she's raucous and like, there's nothing wrong with being loud, but it's, it's a parody of what they, of what black women are supposed of what black women is. Right. And I wanted to ask you like, your own personal opinions on that because she's like Angela Bashi, she's the only black female character who has a recurring role in a major in in a major franchise at that time in the 2000s it was one of the most biggest is one of the biggest franchises at the, at the time and I wanted to ask you your opinions on the Brenda character because everyone loves her but I mean I don't know I'm not even sure if I would consider it horror hmm. and because of the nature of the franchise it is what it is it honestly is I, that's my that, that's kind of parody my horror. explanation parody, yeah. for that yeah it's she she's playing that caricature because she's that's that was completely intentional and that's what it's that would have that that's what it was supposed to be um you know i know the wayne's brothers are kind of an acquired taste like it or love it hate it i mean that's for, for anyone i can't i can't fault that film those films for kind of doing what they intentionally set out to do, unfortunately. Yeah, they're they're parodying the horror movies mm-hmm. overall and parodying probably that particular cliche, yeah, you know, representation. Sure. But yeah, is it even horror? Because is it scary? Mm-hmm. Is, scary, is yeah. it scary? But not really. Is it scary? No. Because if it ain't scary, it ain't horror to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, uh, is kind of interesting because the thing about that, the thing about her character, which I, I thought was a positive and it's something that um, Jordan Peele mentioned in a documentary where she's the she's kind of like the audience in the film whereas like you know as like I'm like I'm a talker and I, I talk during film I grew up in Barbados and one of our things is we talk in the cinema it's like it's like our, it's our culture yes. we don't sit like quietly in the cinema we talk back to the screen we're like what are you doing like so she's like that and, and and I thought that's one of the positives for her because it's like them acknowledging like these are the things that we as audiences want to happen it's like why would you make this decision and then so I when I was watching it and for me I think I, I look at ghetto as almost an answer to that because there's things that happen and you're and like there's reactions and you're like finally someone is getting it someone is answering and someone is responding to all the things all the questions that black people have had when we when we watch horror movies we'd be like don't go through that door don't don't open that don't open that door don't put the phone down don't answer the phone <laughs> look for the keys you know that what you know what i mean and i, I wanted to end so we're, we're gonna go get into this app um, to get out now because 
I think Ghetto is probably one of the most important films made in the, like, the last 20 years in whatever genre you, you, you want to talk about. It's about horror, horror years, dramatic th- thrillers. Yeah. And like, I wanted to ask you, especially Antonanarev, what's what was it about Get Out that made you decide this is the film that I want to base a whole entire class on? I mean, I just had to see the trailer to know that something special was about yeah. to happen because it was exciting enough to see the black protagonist. But when I, I, they even had that footage of the child sinking through the bed and the mm. floor in the trailer, I was like, oh shoot, this filmmaker has something to say. I didn't know what it was, right. but I knew it was going to be something special and something impactful. And it absolutely was. Uh, it works just on the horror movie level mm-hmm. as a scary, well done, well acted film. But then when you start to unpack all of those themes and every time you watch it, you see something new. It's like, oh, there's cultural appropriation all over this house. (laughs) And, you know, it's just like and and even in the trailer, every time the father said, how long has this thing been going on? It's like, oh, the microaggressions and and all that. It was there was just a blistering honesty to the film Mm -hmm. that I think is what makes it so special. And to speak to your point about like how black folks would act in a horror movie, you can even see in the trailer to us some of pointed mm. out when, when Lupita says get your shoes on <laughs> yes look so I'm about Listen, to go down like, get, get your, your shoes, shoes on <laughs> <laughs> I said the same thing I tweeted out I, I made it I did a whole record I was like doing this whole analysis of the trailer which was for fun but I was like one of the things that got me is like when she said that I was like that is my mother yes. when my mother tells me <laughs> to get my shoes on it is time to go no arguments no time for questions right you get your stuff and you walk straight to the Instead door. Instead of the clueless, you know, heroine in the horror like, movie walking though? toward the bad thing going, hello? <laughs> like, no, you, you, you get yourself. And, right. So like, I think one of the things about Ghetto, the one part that a lot of people always talked about is, um, I remember I was in the cinema. I was in Scarborough. And when he was getting, this is probably the loudest everyone got in the cinema is the, 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 key, the scene with Rose and the keys. Hmm. Everyone, like, legit, I think it's one of the best experiences I've had since I've been living in Canada in a cinema. People were like, dude, get the keys. Just go. Like, get your keys and leave the house. Forget rules. Forget the keys. Just go, my dude. And, like, so when I saw that, and then there's, then there's like, almost, like, a call back to that in, in, in the Australia where she's like, get your shoes. We're going to go. Right? And, and so I wanted to ask you, like, so in, in Get Out, we have one black female character and she's Betty and she's the one that that stuck with a lot of people because her her scene even though she has smaller scenes but her scenes are like very um, impactful and then there's the one scene where it seems she's trapped in herself and she's like telling them no but now we have in Us we're gonna have Lupita leading and then we have a black family but I also wanted to ask you about um, Little Monsters now I know it's screened at Sundance and the thing that I want this is like Little Monsters is, is one of my most anticip- anticipated films a year because like we have a, we have two horror films led by a black woman and I wanted to ask you like in for the last few years because we've seen such an increase in like representation for black women in like different genres but especially in horror because we have The Passage which has um 
Sunny and Sydney, but then on The Walking Dead, we have Michonne, and then uh, we had Sleepy Hollow, God rest his soul. Mm. We had Nicole Bahari, and also um, the actress who played her sister, Jenny, she was also in this show. And then you have, like, you have also in the supernatural genre, we have Midnight Tessas with Parisa Fitzhenley, and we have all of these new shows with, with Black females in, like, these powerful positions. And I wanted to ask both of you, um, for actually, I'm going to start with you first, for your website, have you seen an uh, increased interest within the last like I'm not sure like I'm sure there's statistics that can match it but like have you yourself seen an interest in on social media and on the website with black women becoming more interested in the horror genre because of these characters so black women's fans in general yeah black female fans in general um I don't know if I've seen an increase I think it's just I think with the digital age and mm. with the internet and social media, I think all of us are kind of finding each other. Yeah. I think all of us, we didn't really know about each other maybe pre the internet. Um, so I think we're all kind of converging. And now we have a space where we're kind of all talking about these, fil- these films and these television mm-hmm. series because now we're all excited about seeing more black women on screen. For you know, for a long time, for a lot of us, there was only maybe one or two that really stood out right. and, and in the past in our upbringing um, as teenagers who were kids and teenagers who were consuming media now we're just seeing just more women and I think we're just excited and we're mobilized and I think a lot of us are more than happy to get out there and kind of spread the word about this and I think and also it's really interesting um my grandmother would always like tell my mom she would just be like you know um she was like Dorothy come come sit down watch these colored people on the screen (laughs) and I think you know it was I think you know for her generation she like that thirst for representation for like seeing people of color on screen just in general Mm -hmm. um was really important for her and I think that's kind of a a thing that's being passed down so I think just yes seeing us in horror or anything and is specifically in general um is um really um impactful and I and I love that now horror is doing that more and more and more so then uh, another generation behind me is going to um, see more black characters and feel like they can embrace the genre and be a part of it and not feel so isolated and alone or, or like the weird kid like a lot of us do mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah just two things just two things I'll add to that I'm old enough to remember ladies when <laughs> Jet Magazine used to run on the back page every black actor who was going to be on TV that week Yeah, and it would fit on one page okay Um, But second is I think in some ways TV and maybe now film are just starting to catch up to black women's interest in horror because in literature, black women have been driving literature. When you look at black horror writers, they are overwhelmingly uh, women, you know, Um, not necessarily getting the recognition they deserve. Even Octavia Butler, who writes science fiction, there's a horrific aspect to what she writes. She's been writing these strong black Mm -hmm. heroines overcoming great odds for a long time. You had L.A. Banks with her Vampire Huntress series, you know, I have a very loyal fan base and I think we've been primed for a lot of years to love it, but never had the opportunity to see it on the screen because so few of those works have been adapted. And that's really one thing I'm hoping will come out of this documentary, Horror Noir, that that the industry will realize, oh, you know, black people like horror, black women like horror. horror, So they'll start not just making up scripts or grabbing whatever script happens to come across their desk, but start adapting some of these existing works. Exactly. And because I, when, I, when I was younger, I read Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And I read a lot of like supernatural books like Dean Koontz and stuff. And it, like there, there has always been an interest, but it's like it's time that the industry recognizes that we 
do have they have a market in us and some because you know money dollars speak right and like they want that's what that's the main driving force is money and for them to realize okay you have to make these products for these women and like we'll be interested we'll spend our tickets our money to buy tickets and um and so i just i just wanted to ask you for my final question is for both of you who is your favorite black female character film television book anywhere any medium Dang, that's hard. I'm gonna be controversial. Say I don't have a favorite. I have a handful of favorites. Like I'm not gonna pick one. I refuse. Refuse. You refuse. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Dang. I mean, (laughs) I'm just having the hardest time because there are so many. Um, Yeah. I mean, it is hard. It is hard to pick one. But I guess uh, I will take a stab and say Lauren Olamina in Parable of the Sower, mm. even though she's one of many favorites. But she comes to the forefront because she's a teenager who basically has the the weight of the world on her shoulders and has to grow up and become a leader. So, yeah, I'm going to say Lauren Olamina in Parable of the Sower. OK, great. Thank you so much for having this discussion with me and talking about the documentary and Black women in horror in general. And I hope everyone's, a lot of people see the documentary because it's very important to the horror genre, but to film in general as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.